The ocean can be a dangerous place. There's always a bigger fish waiting for an unsuspecting creature to become its next meal. One brightly colored eel avoids these threatening open maws by rarely leaving their homes in the crevices of protecting coral. But when they do, they showcase a mesmerizing ribbon-like display of yellow and blue. Sometimes even content introverts have to make their way out into the world in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about a Christmas decoration of the sea. But more on that later. Yeah, I'm, it's, this, is a, this is a decoration for all seasons. This is a man for all seasons. Yeah, it's a, it is certainly not Christmas colored. Sometimes it's a man for all seasons. <laughs> True. Sometimes. Uh, but what are we talking about? Well, we missed some crucial information. Did we? Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm not letting it slide this time, mostly because I remembered this time. Yeah, something about uh, we do everything ourselves and we don't need any help at all. Yep, it's just the two of us doing all the music and art <laughs> uh, and then everything else on top of that, so no need to thank anyone. Just kidding. Thank you to Brian for the creation of our th- art. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm all my mojo's all gone. Uh, thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube or and, Spotify. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't even know what to say anymore. Thanks, Brian. I'm, what do I? What's my thing? <laughs> <laughs> and thank you to Brian for the creation of this week's artwork. To check out this week's artwork, <laughs> you can uh, follow us on Facebook or Twitter at LD Taxonomy, or visit us at our home on the web at ldtaxonomy.com. Yeah, that's all. That's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got. Anyway, thanks for listening to the episode. <laughs> We're talking about the Christmas decoration of the sea. Christmas decoration of the sea, yes. We were talking about the ribbon eel. Six-inch ribbons. I can't say anything. Six-inch ribbons, girl. That's what I'm saying. What is this? That's what the uh, Gimbal's manager tells Zoe Deschanel in Elf. Oh. Oh, there's a comma. Six-inch ribbons, girl. Yeah, he's telling. Yeah, I was like, "What's a six-inch ribbon, girl?" <laughs> it's um, it's a very actually that's impossible with the ribbon eel. That's true. Yeah, but we're talking about an uh, an eel. It's it's well, I guess we'll find out. It's also called it. in science. Well, not in science. I guess in science, but it, it's uh, other common names are the leaf-nosed moray eel uh or the burnis email the burnies i can't say anything <laughs> did i say burnis email <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just coming off of a work day i guess <laughs> i don't know it's not unusual um 
the Bernice or Bernice eel. There's no e at the end, so I don't know if it's Bernice. I looks like Bernice to me. Um, <laughs> and when uh, Brian sent in the artwork, he named it Fruit by the Foot, which I liked. So good. Uh, but we're gonna call it here the fishy feminist and the reverse Elon page. Do, do you already made something like a joke like that? Every time we're gonna have a, I think I did. It was a Bruce Jenner joke. I thought. Or no, did no. I do this already? There was an Ellen Page joke. It's, I, I tried to do other stuff. Like, I couldn't make Wachowski brothers fit into Eel here. The kingdom is one that you know, love, and are in, and that kingdom is Animalia. Of course. The phylum is Chordata. The class is Actinoptergy. Or Pterygy. Uh That is fish. Hmm. We've been here before. The order is Anguilliformes. Which we've also been here before. It's eels. And the family is Moranidae. Again, been here before. Because it's Moray eels. Rick Moranidae. Yeah, he's... Uh, he's my, f- my favorite nerdy scientist that also shrinks his children. Your favorite gatekeeper? Or the key master or something? Whatever it is from Ghostbusters. Oh, I've only seen Ghostbusters once. I've definitely seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids many more times. I even mentioned it several episodes ago. Um, and I've also seen Spaceballs more often. So those are my those are my two Rick Moranis uh, movies. I recently tried to watch um, Little Shop of Horrors, and I couldn't. It was I I was not expecting it to be what it was. A musical? Yeah, and just like a like like no space in between these songs. It was like song after song after song. Um, <laughs> Like a Disney musical is okay because there's usually like four or five songs spread throughout the whole thing. There were five songs in the first 30 minutes of the movie. And I was like, no, I'm not watching Les Mis. I'm not watching three hours of people singing their regular stuff. It's three hours? I don't remember. That's what there's Les Mis no was. There's no way. Um, but I know I stopped after half an hour. I also wasn't that invested in whatever plot was fed to me and that's the other problem with musicals is that they're really light on plot it's like six things happen but really it's mostly singing about the stuff you feel and <laughs> it's really not my not my cup of tea anyway that was a rick moranis um rant because that was the family morana day but the genus is uh rhino morania morana rhino morana we're back to the morana stuff um it's if Rick Moranis got a nose job, be Rhino Morana. Uh, this species is Quasita. These are you. Pick, you picked this on purpose, right? Yes. I mean, you picked this the, this because of the binomial nomenclature being difficult. Lots of AEs in here. Rhino Morana, Quasita. Good. So, since we're in the business of naming things, this is going to be a rough episode. Uh, <laughs> and since we're, the, since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for my favorite part of the show, Critter Groups. The part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question, and that question is, is the same every time. What is the name of the group of this animal? Uh, or what is the term of venery? Or what is the collective noun? 
I am very grateful to find out that eels have several collective nouns, which means this is a well we can come back to time and time again. So, Which is good because we've come back to eels more than once. Yes, but whenever we come back to like a lizard or a frog or a fish, even though eels are fish, but like a standard fish uh, or like a, a cetacean, I have to... I have to figure out what the the nitty gritty nomenclature is, and that can sometimes be even harder. But fortunately, we have a new collective noun for eels. If you saw a group of eels, Joe, would you say that's a a cell of eels, b a pad of eels, c a wriggle of eels, or d a crate of eels? You've used pad before. Yeah, you never know. Maybe this is the right one. Wriggle? I like Wriggle a lot. It's a good song by Cosmo Sheldrake, who follows us on Twitter. I'm going to go with Cell, final answer. Ding, ding, ding. You got it right. Correct. Yeah. My gut said Cell. My heart said Wriggle. I decided to go with my gut this time. Yeah. If you eat a bunch of uh, gummy worms, then your gut will say wriggle. <laughs> then every, then oh, your body will be in I've harmony. I've been there. <laughs> All right, yes, it's a cell of eels. Last time when we did the moray eel, it was array. So very, very cool ones and very um, electrical. Shocking, <laughs> I'd even say. All right, you want to talk about what this looks like? Of course. Because it's it's this is a this is a dazzling boy. It's one is of it those ones that it, I think it was suggested to me. I can't remember who did. I should know. Uh, it was suggested to me because it looks so cool. He is, yeah, he's definitely a a, a dapper fellow, um, particularly the males, I think. So they're they are they're dazzle boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ribbon eels are long and thin, like eels tend to be, but uh, even thinner than your. If you're picturing a moray eel, like this this chunky snake, abandon that thought entirely, but keep mm-hmm. the snake part. Uh, it's long and thin, and but and this one's very 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 colorful, very bright and beautiful. Adult males have bright blue bodies or electric blue, uh, with a large yellow dorsal fin that uh, juts out like a sail or like a keel, like on a boat, across, like along their entire body. Um, so, and it's as thick or thicker than their bodies. So it kind of looks like they're bifurcated hmm. with their, their bodies being blue and then this yellow fin coming off. Um, which is making them look very ribbon-esque. They have thin blue moray eel looking faces. So you can, you can take that moray eel image and just plop that right back in your head. (laughs) Um, And so, which means they look pretty, pretty fierce if they weren't so colorful and, and thin. (laughs) Um, their uh, noses, eyes, and jaw lining are bright yellow. We're still talking about just the males. Um, and they have a very unique facial feature 
that you don't see in other eels for the most part. Uh, they have uh, nostrils that extend out and flare from their faces. Like trumpets, um, almost. Yeah, like um, I was trying to th like I was trying to think of what they reminded me of, and I couldn't think of it. It kind of it's just like a like a like a yellow beetle wing, uh, like very thin, kind of leaf shaped, thin um, and vascular. Yeah, and and then it comes down into this this cone, which I mean it, it ends up being their nostril, um, but they. Uh, when they're when they're sitting in their dens, and they just have their heads sticking out, uh, looking for food, these little sensory organs are are sticking out and and looking looking for them. They're chemoreceptors, um, so they they just look like they have uh, a tissue paper glued to their nose, uh, like the construction tissue paper, not like Kleenex. Um, so yeah, that's, that makes them look really interesting. Adolescents are similar, but their, their bodies are black with yellow accents. Um, and I don't think they have the, they don't have the full blooming nostrils <laughs> like the, uh, adult males do. And as they grow older, they turn blue. Daba sad. Daba da. Um, if I was green, I would die. Hmm. And females are completely yellow. They are... Uh, Cowards. Yellow-bellied. Yeah. Lily-livered. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... What does that even mean? I can see yellow-bellied like you... Maybe you wet yourself because you're so, you're so cowardly. I don't know. Scared. I hate that. But, um... Like, if... I guess if you drink lily water, then uh, it'll eventually be processed in your liver, and you'll have uh, a lily liver, which I don't think is very cowardly. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say it. The word originally applied to birds that literally have a yellow belly, like a yellow-bellied sapsucker. Okay. So I guess maybe it's a cowardly kind of bird. It's not a brave bird. Another Pokemon reference. Got one in. <laughs> um, yeah, so females are completely yellow, and they are larger than males. Cool. But how large? How large are they? Well, welcome to the beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show. That's the part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that is introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying, singing, or chittering. The words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. Guess what? We do have a new measure up intro this Noise. week from Nora, another listener that's putting the team on her back. Yes. Thank you, Nora. Okay. Let's, let's, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Measure up, measure up, measure up, it up, up. Also, guys, it's pronounced millimeter. Now, now I don't know about that. <laughs> it was a nice you out. It's a nice little jazzy uh, measure up, but you I know like, what? I like the scatting. I'm pretty sure it's millimeter. It's kilometer. 
It's so it's got to be millimeter, and it's millimeter. Millimeter. I'll accept millimeter. Maybe we're both wrong. <laughs> yeah, millimeter doesn't make any sense because there's no O. Yeah, it's millim- millimeter. Millimeter. That, there we go. <laughs> I do. I definitely like the, uh, the 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 King Louis version of Measure Up. Scooby Doo. Yep. 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 Intro is uh, the the song is jazzy, so it makes sense to have a jazzy Measure Up intro. Yeah, this this is gonna go this is gonna go really well. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> let's get into the length of the female. Female length. Females are larger. Uh, they are 130 centimeters or f- 51 inches. How many female ribbon eels go into the tallest library in the world? Tallest library. Mm-hmm. It's got to be like in a. In like a, a big city skyscraper, right? Well, good, good, good question. Here's a hint: the record is held by the National Library of Indonesia in Jakarta. The building was built in 1980 and is now home to four million items, hmm. which blew my mind until I realized items didn't mean just books. It's like it's, periodicals, just like loose leaves of paper, post-it notes, and drawers and stuff like that. Dust mites. <laughs> yeah. But then the, the, the Library Molecules. of Congress has um like 170 million items in their collection. Not to humble brag. I mean, I didn't collect it. Yeah, I mean, I get it's tough. I didn't to contribute really... to it at all, except for like tax money, I think. Is it Library I'm of sure, Congress? I'm sure it was built before you started contributing tax money. John. Yeah, that's true. If they added anything to it afterwards, then there's a then yeah, you could probably uh walk in there and claim something for yourself. I bet you that'll work. But library books are usually donated anyway. I'm just keeping the lights on over there. I'm not collecting. <laughs> Why yeah, definitely go into the Library of Congress and tell them that you pay their bills. <laughs> Everyone loves people that say stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it it yeah it will definitely definitely win you a lot of librarian friends. I I'm pretty sure that's like chapter one of how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> that's uh, it's Dale Carnegie's <laughs> slogan. In fact, <laughs> that's what it says on the front cover. Uh, and that's the subtext, how to win friends and influence people. P.S. Uh, yeah. It's tell people that you pay their paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> if you pay taxes and they are a government employee. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the special government employee edition, how to win government employee friends and win, uh, and influence government employees and government, government employee people. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's a much smaller booklet because it it's just not as 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 broad in strokes. Um, all right, this tall library and this eel is four and a quarter feet. I mean, Jakarta's got skyscrapers. It does. It's a city. Yes, a big it's one. It's a capital. Um. I mean, Washington, D.C. is our capital, and it does not have skyscrapers. 
it's not allowed to. No. So being a capital doesn't mean you have skyscrapers. But this one does. Uh, I'm going to say it is 30 stories, which means if each story is 10 feet, that's 300 feet tall. We'll divide that by 4.25 to get our answer of 70. 70 eels strung end to end would go would be a, an effective Rapunzelian escape rope from the top of this uh, library. Final answer. Uh-huh, 70. The correct answer is 97. Oh, boy. It's a little, it's a little taller than I thought. The building is 126.6 meters high, or 415 feet, mm. with 27 floors. So the floors are a lot bigger than uh, ten feet. I, I, I can deduce. Or there's one, or the first floor is like massive, and then there's just regular size floors above it. That's pretty typical of like, a library. nice libraries have a big, big open spaces certain places. Uh, let's talk about the length of the mail. They're smaller, sixty-five to forty or ninety-four centimeters, or twenty-six to thirty-seven inches. How many male eels go into the world's tallest cake? All right, tell us about the cake. Well, here's a hint. Another record for Indonesia. The cake was made in Jakarta by Hakasima Nilasari Culinary School. Looks pretty phonetic. Uh, it was made for a Christmas celebration. Gotta make a big cake. Mm. Make it for Christmas. Yeah. I'm gonna say, uh, yeah, red, red velvet must be. With uh, cream cheese frosting. Ugh. I'm so hungry. Um, <laughs> but have, I've, I've, I've been good. Been good this holiday season to not eat as much cake as I usually do. Um, but I would be. I'd be sore, sore tempted if I was in front of this thing and it was a red velvet cake. How Wait, how, 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 sorry, how big was the mail again? The world's, uh, the, the world's most regular mail, actually the upper end of average. <laughs> the world's most regular mail <laughs> is 94 this mail, centimeters. This, this is the male eel <laughs> that poops at the same exact millisecond every <laughs> single day. <laughs> uh, 97 centimeters or 37 inches. Okay, 37. So it's basically three feet. I, I feel like 20 feet is too much. I'm going to say 10. Final answer? Uh, no, because the actual my final answer is three. Oh yeah, final answer of yeah. That's how many eels go into this thing. Yeah, the correct answer is thirty-five. <laughs> what? Oh, no. The cake was thirty-three meters or one hundred and eight point two feet tall i've got to see a picture of this thing look up the tallest cake it's inside if you go to patreon and subscribe 
you can see a picture. I'm sure, pretty sure I'll put a picture up. I'm seeing lots of different things here. Is it the rainbow pyramid or like the multi-layered? That does that. That can't count. Uh, there's a picture on the Guinness World Record page, which you can click on uh, at ldtaxonomy.com. Um, it is like um, it's. It's like a Christmas tree shape. And it's white and bespeckled on the outside. I'm not, I can't. I, Google is not being giving me the correct answer, it seems. Yeah, I don't see it on Google. But I will see it. I even typed in Indonesia and didn't get it. The Guinness World Record has this like multi tiered cake. That is definitely not a hundred feet tall. I just sent you a picture. Uh, it's like forty. The link. Again, I hope that it's uh, red velvet, because that would mean that one of the most delicious cakes is also the most structurally sound. Red velvet and is almost the same as chocolate. In flavor. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> I am not a chocolate cake fan, and I am definitely a red velvet <laughs> fan. So unless there's some sort of like tiny little flavor lever that's being pulled that make that turns it into something that I would not really care for to something that I would care for quite a bit, then there's there's got to be a major difference. Maybe in ingredients it's similar, but. Red velvet cake is a type of rich chocolate favorite flavored sponge cake that is colored red, while a chocolate cake is simply cake made with chocolate. Yeah. Do you believe that a red velvet cake tastes like a chocolate cake? Yes. What? But you have vanilla icing in between, so it's throwing you off. If I put vanilla icing on a chocolate cake, it would still taste like a chocolate cake covered in vanilla icing. Main ingredients include flour, butter, buttermilk, cocoa, and vinegar. My whole life is a lie. <laughs> I've been telling people I don't really like chocolate cake, but I... I you just need to sprinkle some vinegar on it. I, I just need to... I need to dip it in with my Easter eggs is what I need to do. What you don't like is eggs, apparently. And baking powder, which is what goes into a chocolate cake. There's no eggs in a red velvet cake. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, like you just like buttercream. If there was a buttercream, true. Chocolate cake, maybe you'd like it. That is, you've hit the nail on the head. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I just want the icing. Is really, I just. <laughs> I just want I just want some cream cheese frosting and buttercream. Yeah. In my mouth. I figure this is a good time to shout out our very first patron. Oh. So thank you. Just rap Raspolich. Oh uh, yeah, I know I know that person. Do you? Yeah. I think like I've she's she's sent us some stuff, I think. Yeah. And she gets to see our lovely faces and our lovely Christmas decorations. Yeah, that's true. I can't believe it. I've made it through most of this episode and I didn't even turn on my tree. 
Turn on the tree. Give we'll have the, the lighting of the tree ceremony. Like in New York City. Only it's a smaller tree, but higher in quality, I assume. I need a little tree, like right, right in this corner right here or something. There's a tree literally right there, but you I have can't not been see it. Anything you've been saying because... That's okay, I was speaking to the listener. I just lit the tree. It looks glorious. And I, there we go. Hark the herald. We have to Everything I touch gets ruined. <laughs> every every podcast we during the Christmas season, we end with Hark the Herald. But Just we, like, we, we have to go. We all have to breathe at the same time. And but, a little uh, bit of dust has to come off of uh, Pigpen. It was going to end with... Uh, I mean, it also... Um, it's a Wonderful Life ended with that song as well. Of with characters singing it. So if you want to have a quality Christmas experience, you end something with Hark the Herald. Hark the Angel Herald sings. <laughs> Hark a man named Herald. Um Peace sweet. on Earth and Salsa Mild. <laughs> Gimme that fast fact. Alright, let's do this. Uh as you meant as you hinted in the measure up. The ribbon eel lives all across the Indian Ocean into the Pacific, including French Polynesia and Indonesia and Australia. So it actually has pretty pretty wide range. Uh, they hang out in coral reefs and even coral reefs that are dying because uh, they like the soft sand and uh, breaking down coral there. Mm. Um, they mostly eat small fish like most eels do. Uh, guppies, minnows, uh, they, and they'll also eat the occasional crustacean that crosses their path. And uh, in the wild, they can live for 20 years. It's yeah. a pretty long lifespan for a fish. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, nothing like the Greenland shark. Check out our Greenland shark episode. But if you capture a ribbon eel uh, and put it in your aquarium, it'll only live for a month. Don't do it. So yeah, don't don't keep these guys as pets. They live a lot longer if you don't. That's that's all I got. Those are the fast facts. You hit hit us with the major fact. Okie dokie. The major fact: ribbon eels never have gender reveal parties, and that's it. That's all it is. All right. So for you out there in podcastia. <laughs> Uh, they never have gender reveal parties, and it's not just because they are essentially a second baby shower. And no one, you know, we don't have that kind of time. Nope. Actually, all ribbon eels are born male. As we learned with the morning gecko, it's possible to have a single sex species, but they are usually female. I think we all, some insect we also is all female, or mostly female. They don't need the males, right? I forget what insect it is. You know, they p deposit their and the eggs are all by themselves and they're fine. I but anyway, all male species don't really work out because you need an egg to grow a new eel. So ribbon eels are born male, but they don't stay that way. Ribbon eels go through several life stages that are all color coordinated, like a Starfleet ship. 
you mentioned there were like different colors. Juveniles are mm-hmm. black with yellow on their dorsal fins, their nose, their cheeks. As they age, the black is replaced by a brilliant blue. So adult males are blue with yellow uh, streaks. Um, but when they reach a certain age, they start to lose their blue and turn all yellow. And it was all yellow. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We're supposed to pause, let people soak it in, and then be like, Coldplay reference. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, but th- as they're, they, they have like this, the blue is starting to fade. That's the intersex stage when they are changing from male to female. What? So this is something called pro protandry. Um, and it's a type of sequential hermaphroditism, which is when a plant or I animal those words. <laughs> uh, type, you know, uh, which is a is when a plant or animal changes sex at some point in their life. Clownfish are similar, and I I rem- there's another fish that we talked about that is similar to what I'm about to say, but it's I can't the remember. It's cleaner wrass. Yeah. But it doesn't, so, it, like, and it's, it's the other way around. Uh, a male leads a, a harem of females, and if the male dies, then one of the, the right. largest female will become the male. In this case, males are born. Uh, all males, all clownfish male uh, are males when they're born. And the largest among them becomes a female. But ribbon eels don't become female when certain criteria are met. So far as we know, the change from male to female is a typical part of their life cycle. So protandry is less common than protogeny, 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 I think it is, which is changing from female to male. Protogenous species may have some form of sexual selection where the female prefers males that are larger or able to win physical matchups but not so with the ribbon eel uh ribbon uh ribbon eel males are real cool with each other they don't fight they they even share their little uh tunnels with one of them is about to turn into a female (laughs) is it gonna be you is it gonna be me uh so Perhaps it's better for ribbon eel eels to be female when when they're larger. Is it maybe to defend eggs? I'm not really sure. But for whatever reason, they've chosen the protandrous route. So what's weird is everything is thrown out the window in captivity. You mentioned that they rarely survive more than two years in captivity. They don't. They don't do well. No, like in a month. Captivity. Yeah, sometimes up to two years, but. Most of the time, they just stop eating when they're captured. Um, yeah, out of protest. Uh, color changes. <laughs> say, they just become Gandhi. <laughs> uh, so, and also, the color changes seem to happen regardless of their sex. So it's all out of whack. They, mm-hmm. they can change colors, but their sex is not matching up to the color coordination of their Starfleet ships in, in the wild. Okie dokie. I mean, that's all I got. <laughs> I I thought for sure you you would name this fast fact the uh, the future is female. I I I uh, did not name the fast fact, but that's a good one. 
Or sorry, not the fast fact, the, the major fact. The major fact. Uh, For every single individual, the future literally is female. Yes, exactly. This is this is about as, as straightforward of uh, an application of that phrase as possible. Imagine a society of uh, sentient beings that are that are that are like this. That I, to be honest, that would that would make a pretty interesting fictional world, where the older, larger, stronger. Uh, like people or whatever you have in your world, elves or something, um, they're all female or they're all male, and everyone who's young start, starts off the the opposite, and there's like a transition period, and that would make that would, that would be that would be very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, there would also just be like you. I mean. We can't the, the the CEO. We can't hire a CEO that's male. That's you know they're too inexperienced. Yeah, they don't have enough experience. <laughs> <laughs> the president can't be male because it's like what you come you, you transition when you're like twenty five or whatever. What do you <laughs> <laughs> when you're yeah you you have to be thirty five to be president. That's when it happens. That would, that, would, that would I mean you got to just think about like what that would do to the social structure. I can't think of what I would do with that kind of um, that world now, but like that's that is something really interesting. Yeah. All right. That's all you got? That's all I got. Okay. So for you out there in podcast, yeah, that was the ribbon eel. So take that ribbon eel and tie it onto a gift and give that gift to yourself. <laughs> um, so for you out there in Podcastia, share an underwater den with someone. Be colorful and stay out of captivity if you want to live a long life. And also honor your mother and your father. Like the ribbon eel, I assume, here in life, death and taxonomy. Hey Taxonomy Titans, I just want to remind you that we now have a Patreon. Patrons can see full video episodes and get shoutouts on the show. But ultimately, it's a way for you to help us cover some costs and get even better. Still, reviews are the best way to help us grow. So if you haven't left one yet, we'd really love to hear from you. As always, thanks for listening and engaging. <laughs> honor your mother and then your mother <laughs> honor your mother and later your mother as well honor yeah honor your mother and father and then once you're done with that honor your mother and mother <laughs>